Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Believe in Vanderbilt Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Brought to you by betonline.ag and Health is Wealth Lifestyle. In the Music City, I'm Matt Perkins. On tonight's show, I'm joined by former Commodore offensive lineman Ryan Seymour. We'll talk about prepping for week one of action, how it's going to be different this year because of COVID, plus some of his tips on offensive line play. But before we get started, we can't forget to... All right, guys. Well, uh, today uh, we are joined by Ryan Seymour, returned guest. And uh, Ryan, uh, fortunately, is going to be our uh, co-host here for a little while. Zach has had to take a quick sabbatical. So Ryan has graciously agreed to uh, fill in for him. And so, Ryan, I really appreciate you taking the time here today and moving forward for a little bit. Matt, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> man i'm jacked no i'm all kidding aside this is an honor to be uh to be back on the program man thank you so much for having me i had a blast last time and uh i'm looking forward to hopefully many more great sessions um, i'm, I'm sure yeah. yeah man when i'm sure i'm sure i'm sure yeah, dude, I'm sure that we will have many, many more. Zach will be back, guys, um, in, in the future. He's just got a couple of things that he needs to take care of. But we are fortunate to be joined by one of the offensive linemen, one of the great offensive linemen that the Commodores have produced. So, and you guys, you guys may not know, I was an offensive lineman back in the day. I used to weigh about 285, 290. So uh, I, I I really love, I really love the big guys. So anytime I can, I can talk hog mollies, I'm going to be happy. So we also have to remember that we are sponsored by Bet Online. BetOnline.ag is your one-stop shop for all things sports gambling. The wait is finally over. SEC football is back this week. We've been waiting way too long for it. And though you might not be at the game, you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. Ryan, Vandy's opening the season at Texas A&M this this week. And, well, as we could probably guess, uh, they're not favored. Uh, in fact, they are underdogs by 30 and a half points. The over-under on the game is 46 and a half. So that means that the uh, the gambling gods out there, if you listened to our show last week, you listened to Dave Mason talk about how they were setting lines. Uh, they're predicting Vanderbilt to lose about, oh, 39 to 7. So um, how do you think that the doors are going to do this week against Texas A&M in that season opener? Do you think they're going to be able to cover that 30 and a half point spread? I certainly hope so. I hope that these guys, you know, from a player standpoint, the first thing I would do is uh, we're going into game week. You know, you can't be looking at uh, stats. You can't be looking at these spread numbers. You got to be thinking to yourself, hey, we're both on an even playing, playing field at this point, right? You know, there's no game tape from this year from either side. So what an opportunity for Vanderbilt to, I think, step into week one and really, really bring it. Um, I'm just hoping these guys, you know, this offseason, they've been prepping. I'm sure they have been. I'm really, really excited to see the product that they put on the field this year. But uh, that is a big spread. I mean, that's kind of – that's a little disrespectful. I'm hoping that, <laughs> that Vanderbilt can come up, 
can step up on Saturday and prove uh, prove Vegas wrong on this one. So we'll see. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And as you know, personally, I like the under on this one. I think Vandy's defense is going to be really good. They've got three preseason All SEC players. That defensive line should be excellent excellent on the defensive front i think they'll be able to pressure kellen mond for sure he's not the best under pressure although i'm weirdly a, a bit of a kellen mond stan i don't think that uh i, I think D, uh, vandy's d-line can definitely get to him out there in college station so from game spreads to totals team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else online plus there's always the online casino as well it never closes so head on over to betonline.ag today to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses that's betonline.ag and sign up today bet online your online sports book experts all right ryan like you said it is week one finally finally it's here finally. these do these dudes have been we, need dudes, something. We, we need something back you know glue our efforts and our uh our eyes back to the so much going on obviously with COVID going on the last six months, people are ready to get back to normal life. People are ready to turn on their TVs on Saturdays and find that comfort that they used to have every single week of like, hey, I get to finally watch some real football, SEC football. And obviously for other Vandy fans out there, we're ready to see the Commodores kick it off, man. I, I'm stoked. You can hear it in my tone and my voice. I'm pretty jacked about it. Dude, I'm jacked about it too, man. But let's talk about that fall that that transition though, going from fall camp to that first game of the season, right? Because after you've been, I mean, this has been extended fall camp, right? They've been in fall camp for damn near two months now. How sick of you Probably are? Brutal. How, how sick are you at? I mean, even when you were, when, you know, when you were there, how sick of you were? Were you playing against your own teammates by the end of fall camp? You know. <laughs> <laughs> very, very tired. I mean, obviously, I thought that fall camp was an eternity, you know, even though it was only maybe two or three weeks back, you know, obviously, this is years ago, pre, you know, pre COVID. I can't even imagine these guys have been going at it for, you know, week in and week out now for months at each other's throats, just trying to finally get in front of a new opponent, uh, opponent. But uh, now I got to imagine these guys are good, you know, from both sides, Vandy and Texas A&M, both of these teams are going to be ready to go out there uh, probably a little sick and tired of the shenanigans going on in the practice field um, week in and week out. Um, so I, I got to imagine these guys are probably pr pretty ready to go. Oh, <laughs> definitely 100%. I definitely would be. And I definitely would be. Imagine, I mean, you, you played. I mean, could you imagine being in camp for, you know, longer than three or four weeks? I mean, it just seems like an eternity when, when you're going through the season. I mean, when you're going through camp, for that to be extended, even a day, I would be upset. Even if camp was, even if camp was like extended for one day, I'd be like, "Oh my god, guys, can you believe that we're extended camp for a day?" Yeah, I mean, like <laughs> I, I, I was actually talking about this. Like one of my best friends is a high school football coach here in Nashville, um, and you know these kids, same thing. You know, they basically had camp since August. And they're fine. They get their, you know, their games here in, in Metro Nashville schools start this coming Friday night. And so, like, he's like, these kids just like they are so sick of each other right now. They are so sick of just like 
talk you know of just being around right. each other like going against each other every single day in practice like they haven't even able to have scrimmages like i was lucky like my my head coach was very close with a head coach of a team in a different division in my, my home state in new hampshire um a, a team that was a division up from us who we were actually like way better than us but we so we were able to at least scrimmage them usually about two-thirds of the way through camp every year and that was sort of like the like you know we earned this we earned like getting to like take out our anger on like these other guys who aren't you know in our huddle and like that was always just like a big big thing for us every single year that preseason scrimmage against plymouth man that meant everything to us just because like i was so sick of our coaches our teammates just Everyone just like, you know, it's like being cooped up in uh, like a, a like snowed in family for like a couple of weeks. And you just right. you're, you're so sick of each other after double sessions. You're kind of ready to see. I think honestly, uh, something I remember, too, from a player standpoint, you're ready to kind of see things unfold as well. You kind of want to see uh, some signs of life of maybe how good you guys are really going to be, you know, from that first kickoff to the first play, you know, as you kind of get some rhythm and going. You know, you're obviously going to, you know, tell right from the beginning, like, okay, how good are we going to be this year? You know, are we going to come out flat? Are we going to come out there like our heads are freaking acting like they're going to explode because we're so excited for the season? So I, uh, I think these guys are probably also ready to just see how good they're really going to be this year. You know, is the preparation that we put in during these camps, is it all going to pay off? And I think it, you know, it should, right? I mean, that's what you hope for as a player that, hey, this preparation that I've been putting in week in and week out, day in and day out, you know, the goal is for it to pan out. Obviously, you got to make adjustments and things like that throughout the season. I would just ready to start seeing some results, right? You know, that's 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 the ultimate goal is to see the results. And you know, in practice, you can get a fair sense of that, but you can't really gauge how much you're going to really. Uh, you're really going to see until you get out there on the field and it's live because a lot of these practices are shells. It's, you know, guys are pulling up on the QBs. Guys aren't finishing guys, throwing guys down. So I think a lot of these guys are really just, you know, how, how good can I become? Right. And I think uh, once guys find that man, that, that just like they take off, right. When guys start realizing, man, how good I can actually be, the confidence level goes through the roof, and that's when you start seeing teams really hit their stride. So, yeah, I think these guys are ready to start seeing some actual, like, results out there rather than just practice, get in there, watch the tape. You know, guys are ready to start seeing some points on the board. Well, yeah, for sure. And I'm I'm sure for you guys, as you transition from camp to week one prep, right, your, your entire sort of like the way that you're practicing and what you're doing week in and week out is going to completely change because you're going from really studying yourself to studying an opponent. For, so for you guys, especially under when you guys were under Coach Franklin, like what what did that look like when you moved from from fall camp to your week one prep? How did that change practice? How did that change your film study? And how did that change your lifting? Because I know with Coach Galt, man, he was intense about the lifting even in season. Yeah, and that's, and that's universal uh, high school, college, NFL. Everyone as a player, I think, really looks forward to actually game preparation, right? You're, you're, you're scouting the guy in front of you versus, you know, you're going against your brother who you've been in school with now for the last few years. So, like, you know, same point that you mentioned. Um, it definitely is the part of the season that everyone looks forward to. You're, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Your, your training changes, your meetings, you know, start changing your practice. Um, your weekly schedule begins to change. So you kind of, you're, you're kind of really, really going at it, 
you know, Monday through Friday during training camp. You know, obviously coaches are trying to evaluate each player. They're trying to see, you know, how much can we put this guy through? Is he going to be able to battle through adversity? You know, does he have any, like, does he have any umph, right? Does he have any, like, anything in him that's going to show that, hey, when we get put in a distress situation, is he going to be able to overcome this? Obviously, that's the entire goal of camp players put in situations that they're uncomfortable so that when they get in this when they get in the game environment you know it's just second nature so you know you're scouting the, your opponent so you're you're spending a lot of time looking at the guy in front of you looking at from an o-line perspective i'm looking at a d-line i'm looking at what sort of pass rush moves he's had possibly in the season before obviously there's no game tape going into week one so you don't really have anything that's that's recent so you're looking at last year's game tape you're looking at the guy's you know, what's his favorite move? What's his favorite pass rush move? So these are all things that you kind of look at as you're going in, game prepping for a week. Your your workouts change. You kind of hit it hard maybe Tuesday and Wednesday in the weight room, you know, trying to still get some gains throughout the season. Coach Galt would actually really believed in hitting our stride at week 12, right? So that was kind of his mindset, which is a little bit different than maybe possibly our former strength coach. Um we were still squatting heavy, benching heavy, cleaning heavy uh, throughout the season. So with Coach Galt, um, things didn't really slow down a whole lot. You know, maybe possibly, maybe maybe a little bit on Thursdays and Fridays, but Tuesdays and Wednesdays we were going to get after it. Um, you know, and then Thursdays and Fridays are those big recovery days where you're trying to go in, and, you know, going into Saturday feeling feeling good. But um, you know, every player looks forward to Week One. You know, it because it's not the uh, it's not the grind of like two days. Do they even have two days anymore? I mean, I, I, I assume that there are two days, like maybe like maybe like a conditioning and then a practice or something like that. Right. But um, I, you know, it's, it's not I, I don't want to say like when we were growing up, but like, I mean, our two days were, were two a days. We were full pads for three hours twice a day. <laughs> like we were like, you know, we were getting after it. But, you know, um, I, I also had a coach that was that 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 was a bit of a caveman. So, um, which I appreciated, quite frankly. Like, I liked the fact that, you know, my high school coach, Coach Ivanovsky, like, I mean, even that name just, like, uh, you know, exhibits caveman Ivanovsky. But Coach Iv- you know, Coach Ivanovsky was not going to take anything from anyone. And he was going to make sure that you, you know, that you ran your stadiums, that you did your up-downs in full pads. So, like, you know, he did not, you know, he was going to make sure that we were the best conditioned team in the state. And, you know, I'll, you know, I'll be doggone if we weren't. Like, you know, we were, you know, he was a stickler for it, but, you know, I, and I think he might've, he might've pushed a couple of the, a couple of those boundaries, you know, a little bit on, on what is so, so allowed by, okay. you know, but, you know, whatever the NCAA, you know, whatever, like the requirements are, coaches are going to push those boundaries to the absolute, right. I mean, they're going to, every minute that you can be on that field, they are going to take advantage of every single minute. And if there's a practice that can be had with full pads, you best believe they're going to get them in. Oh, yeah, so, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you have to, though, man. You absolutely have oh, to. Yeah. I mean, from a collegiate standpoint, when I look back now, so much time in practice, that was nothing compared to, you know, that was nothing compared to the NFL where you seriously, you're there at six in the morning and you don't go home till six thirty, seven o'clock at night, you know, and it's all football. There's no break in there for class no break in there for leisure time yeah you might get like you know you might get like you might get a little break for lunch but during lunch you're, you're probably doing film study anyway so i mean like who even knows 
You can't measure how competitive it is in the NFL. There's so many guys knocking on the door to try to get in your shoes. You know, with that being said, it's almost like a competition to see who can work the hardest there because you don't want to be the guy who is the guy that's known for leaving right at five o'clock. Most of the teams dismiss you at five, right? The, the, the schedule is kind of from eight to five. Plus you got workouts at six. Uh, plus you got workouts at six. Um, Cause you still have to, you still have to squeeze those in during the day. So you normally get your workout at six team meetings at eight o'clock guys. will ice tub or, or get rehab in there between like seven, eight o'clock. You got to grab breakfast between that time as well. Um, so it's very competitive from the guys that are in the locker room about, okay, who can almost like stay the latest, you know, <laughs> it's like, I would be like, guys' cars seemed like they were permanently parked in the player's lot. <laughs> it's like, do these guys ever go home? Right. And same thing with the coaches. Um, I feel like there's almost like a competitive side from the coach. Coaches will not leave. I mean, you you always yeah. hear the story about guys who are, who are sleeping in the office, just eating tape, like left and right, just being like, yeah, you know, like I got four hours of sleep last night, maybe in my office on the floor, or you've got like some sort yeah, of like couch like in there game. or something like that. Like you know, see who's like you always first. hear those it's stories like, about those guys. I'm not going to be the one that leaves first, and the coach is like, well, leaves first. So they and so finally, someone finally cracks, like, oh, I got to go to my kid's soccer game or something. Then finally, the coaches are like. Oh, okay. I'm going to go too, but they're not going to leave until one of them cracks. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but same thing with the player side. I mean, guys, guys there at that level, there's so many guys trying to knock on the door to be in your shoes. You almost like feel obligated. You're like, Oh my God, I got to put in more work than anybody else. There's people gunning for my spot. Like if I'm not here until seven o'clock and someone else is, I look bad. Right. And, and what, whatever that might be, whether that's just sitting in the hot tub or sitting in the cold tubs or just sitting in the locker room, you know, you, you're, you're at like, you're like indebted to that team to want to make it seem like, Hey, I got to be here as much as I humanly possible. And, uh, the guys that do the guy devote their time to being in that facility are the guys that are really, really good. The guys that are out the door at five o'clock, they're not the ones who are usually getting call to come back next year or resign and things like that so yeah for sure i mean like you know everyone talks about how tom brady is always the first dude there every single day and you know like no matter what like everyone else is showing up at six he's going to be there at 5 30 everyone else is you know the, you know that, that kind of thing and you know you hear the same thing you know about cam newton like this year like every time like you know yeah i well yeah i, mean, I was reading reports about i guess i think it's because he's you know he's on the patriots cool. now yeah, and needs thing. to be you know, has got thing. that new gotta, sort of career know, i gotta really say how much respect i have for a lot of these nfl quarterbacks i saw a lot of that with drew Brees. i saw a lot of that with russell wilson um even on days that we would have, uh, when I was in Seattle, we'd have one day a week, I think on Wednesday or Thursdays, where uh, just the offensive linemen would get together and come in and watch tape without without uh, without coach being there. And, like, for some reason, I think Max Unger was a center at the time. He was like, we're going to meet at 530. And I'm like, why, 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 in the, why in the world we had to be there at 530? I don't know. But I was a rookie, so I just had to nod my head and agree. But I just remember getting there at like 5.30 and Russell was like already there. Russell would already be at the facility. I'm like, holy crap, dude. Like, yeah. And you walk in and it's not like his car was there. He was there. He was there like already like doing stuff. I'm like, 
oh my gosh. I mean, I think that like I think I think part of that just is is, is that quarterback mentality of trying to be, you know, you you have to be if, if you're the quarterback, even if you're not a natural leader, you have to be the leader. Once you get to that level, absolutely. I mean, if you're an NFL quarterback, you have you you definitely have uh, tendencies to be a leader, to be the guy that's like going to outwork, you know, pretty much anyone on the team. And to get to that level, you, you've already shown a lot of that probably in college. And you, once you get to the NFL, it's probably even more on your plate to kind of handle, you know, as the face of the franchise, right? I mean, a lot of these QBs are the face of the franchise, so. I, I got a ton of respect for these NFL quarterbacks. Um, you know, these guys are outstanding, the best in the world. I mean, as a former player, I guess one thing I get sensitive about when I'm watching games, you know, with perhaps uh, just normal people, they'll say, that guy's that guy stinks or that guy sucks, you know. And I'm sitting there thinking, <laughs> like, these guys are the best in the world. It's like, dude, like – these guys are so the like the worst guy on the practice squad yeah, is the, better at his job than you are at guy, your job. The worst guy on the P squad was probably like a five year starter in college and probably and probably oh probably like at minimum a four star recruit coming out of high school, you know, had yeah. offers from fifty schools, you know, that kind of thing. Like PGA. I mean, that's it's just PGA. And the worst guy on the tour is I think that in, you know, speaking of the, oh, the PGA, oh, the PGA, man, like the, the worst guy, like, hey, I, I think being a professional golfer is got to be the best, like, professional athlete job that there is. That, like, it, it's got to be. I spend a lot of time golfing now that I'm, you know, retired from football, but uh, I have to agree, playing playing on the tour would be the dream job. I mean, the senior tour would be it for me. If I could be on the senior tour when I get older, and just fly around and play golf, you know, oh my God, that'd be, that'd be the dream right there. Uh, and then it's even more annoying when guys like Steph Curry are also like, yeah, I'm also like, like a minus two handicap. It's like, what the, f- what is like, how, how are you the best? How are you like one of the three best basketball players in the world? And like better than a where scratch get the time, man. Where do these guys get the time to practice? I mean, you have golf is something you have to like consistently play in order to like stay good. Right. And, um, if you take a few months off of golf and try to come back into it, you're going to be in a world of hurt. Forget about it. Forget about it because it's such precise muscle memory. It's such precise muscle memory with, with that kind of stuff and having to be able to. I and mean, we, we, you know, okay. th- this is not the Believe in Vanderbilt golf show, we, but, you know, it, it could be. Yeah. Back topic. Vandy is opening on the road at Texas AM. Now, fortunately for them, you know, there's not going to be 110,000 people in at Kyle Field, right? You know, so that is actually. I think to their benefit because that is one of the biggest, loudest stadiums. Now you never played at Kyle Field, I don't think. I did not. No, I, I missed it. We yeah, it would have been if if you had a sixth year of eligibility. I think you they they played at uh, in in 2013 your your first year in the league. They played at uh, Texas A and M. I know. So, um, but you know. You know, going on the road, especially when you're a freshman, right? I, you know, I'm thinking about some of these freshmen. Like, you know, I've, you know, I, I've, I've gotten a chance to, to you know, talk with some of these guys. You know, and some of these guys going on their first big road trip, right? Like, what is that like? If I said I wasn't, if I said I didn't, you know, have jitters or nervous, even though I know, even though I knew I wasn't going on the field, you know, if I was a freshman guy, I knew I wasn't going in. I still had jitters, and I still was like a nervous wreck on the sideline. Back then I thought everyone's looking at me. But they're not, you know, they're not. <laughs> they're, not they're not. They're not, but you, you think so. They don't even care. 
they see some, you know, young pup on the bench, you know, I might get heckled a little bit from the guys, you know, behind the benches because my last name is Seymour. But <laughs> I don't even need to repeat some of the things I used to hear. But <laughs> but that, that, that'll that'll be for the explicit rated version of the soon. podcast. No. So, <laughs> um, you know, as a young guy going in my first big game, you know, my first big on the road game, you know, those guys would definitely be nervous. I mean, I was. I mean, it's if you're not, you're lying, you know. Uh, oh, for sure. You, you can't sit there and tell yourself that, hey, I'm not maybe a little bit nervous or a little bit. Uh, you know, worked up to be on such a big stage, right? And sometimes this is going to be the first time the guys ever played on national TV. So that was another thing that was on the back of my mind when I was early in my career was that, oh my God, people are watching me on television. the game. You know, not only do you have to deal with a live crowd, you know, back then, obviously now it's a little different with COVID, but back then, you know, okay, not only do I have to like make it through with these fans booing me, you know, I also have to remember that like, oh my God, everything I put on tape is being watched on TV. You know, my poor, my, my poor mother at home watching. I don't want to, I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> oh man. I, I, I can only imagine. I can only imagine, but as you, you know, but the more you do it, just like everything, the more you do it, you get used to it. You know, as, as my career progressed, you know, by the time it was my third year, I didn't even think about that stuff. You know, you don't even think about, crowd noise you don't think about messing up you know i didn't personally now i have seen guys who have let it get in their head and then it'll just destroy you like maybe you have a bad play or something i was never the type of guy to have a bad play and let it be two plays and then three plays and then four plays so if you're that type of guy you know that can be devastating when you're in that type of environment with that type of fan base glued in you know, to, uh, to the television and having that in the back of your mind is no good. Yeah. So, but you know, advice, I, I, I think that though, at least these days, you know, more and more of these kids have high school games on ESPN, man. Like, you know, like I, like I tuned in a couple weeks ago. I've got, Al, I've got the, I've got Alabama high school, like Al, it's like Alabama high school Friday night football on ESPN. I'm just like, what the frick? Like if you go to IMG Academy, if you go to IMG in Bradenton, Florida, like, Half of your games are on national television. Like, I can't even imagine that as, you know, if you're a sophomore in high school, if you're a 15, 16 year old kid with all the, like, I can't even like imagine what, like what would be going through my mind at that point, even, you know, you know, you know, much less uh, as a college player. That's awesome. I think that is just something that the football community should really be proud of. You know, I I think that uh, if I am a young athlete, let's say I'm you know, the fact that these guys do have a stage to play on, you know, some of these games being televised, some of these high school games, you know, in Texas or Florida or Georgia, California, you've got almost 10,000 fans sometimes in some of these games. That's that's terrific, you know. And um, I think there is a problem now and kind of a different subject. I think there is a problem now with guys who are being that, – that trickles into the recruiting process, right? So a lot of these guys say, hey, man, I'm coming from this – you know, five-star high school program where I was the man and we had national TV and, you know, blah, blah, blah. These coaches are coming in here now telling these, you know, telling these recruits, you know, you're the best ever, right? You know, and uh, you're, you're amazing and all this kind of stuff and all these like recruiting tactics, how far some of these coaches have to go to be even seen, you know, the amount of money that's getting poured into the recruiting process. Right. It's just really difficult. I guess my point for these co- for, the, for a lot of these college coaches to compete on the recruiting process for maybe some of these elite programs 
you know, we all know, we all know Alabama, you know, LSU coming off of a, uh, a national championship, like the platform that these guys have, it's a little easier for maybe for these guys to maybe recruit versus perhaps maybe a Vanderbilt, you know, we're dealing with a smaller fan base. We're as, as good as possibly uh, some of these other SEC teams. So my point being made about, you know, some of these high schools and the stages that they're performing on, well, it's becoming really, really difficult for a lot of these college coaches as well to, to compete with some of these kids. You know, used to be when I was coming out of high school and I first saw Vanderbilt, my, uh, I was blown away. I was like, Oh my God, I've even heard Zach say this. The reason why he chose Vandy was like, Oh my God, the city, this is the biggest city I've ever seen. You know, this pressed with uh, McGugan 12 years ago. Right. But it's becoming harder and harder because so many of these elite programs are pouring so much money into their, you know, into their facilities, the recruiting process. It, it's just crazy. You have to like wow these kids even more so these days now than, than I feel like you, you used to, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, you know, especially like, and talk about like trying to keep up with the Joneses, right? Like, have you seen LSU's new locker room? Have you seen Clemson's locker room? Have you seen Alabama's locker room recently? It's insane. Yeah. It's absolutely right. in like their right. locker rooms are nicer than freaking Manhattan and part like, you know, like five million dollar Manhattan apartments. Like, yeah. you know, half these they got they've got like PS5s. Or they didn't have PS5s out yet, but I'm sure they have PS5s in the locker room at this point. Like it's so ridiculous. But like when you're not paying players, or when you're not paying players, when in you know, all that booster money's gotta go somewhere. It's got to go somewhere, you know, th- you know, they're paying the coaches a crap ton. They're paying coordinators a crap ton. But, you know, they, they still got this extra cash and they, you know, they need to spend it because if they don't spend it, they're not going to keep bringing in more of that booster money. Right. And so the name of the game is facilities at this point. Like, you know, and it's like if I'm, you know, if, if I'm if I'm the next big quarterback recruit, if I'm if I'm the next Trevor Lawrence, if I'm the next big five star quarterback recruit like. You know, am I going to want to go to a school that has like okay facilities or am I going to want to go, go to the place that has like freaking like massage chairs and, you know, for, every, for, you know, for every player and everything like that? Right. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's the world we live in now. You know, unfortunately, it's uh, that's the, the world that we live in. These guys are seeing all these things. You know, if I'm a guy getting recruited at a high school and I go to a, an Alabama or a Clemson locker room and I, then I go to a Vanderbilt locker room. You know, I'm probably not thinking about at 17 years old, the degree, or maybe thinking about life after college. I'm thinking about the now. I'm thinking about like, wow, look how life changing this is going to be. I get to come here every single day. I get to spend my college career here, you know, maybe versus not thinking about, hey, when I graduate here in four or five years, what's my future going to look like as I enter the business market? So again, we all know why students should come to Vandy, you know? To me, my parents, you know, my parents had to sit down. But you got to be thinking about the next 40 or 50 years as you're going to be working the rest of your life, right, after football. But we all know what Vandy has to offer. You got the city of Nashville. You got the education. You know, you got the SEC. It's a no-brainer. I mean, Vandy, Vandy should be kicking butt in recruiting every year. But they're, but they're not investing in the facilities. They're just not. And that's, the, yeah, and to your point, that's the world we live in. The kids aren't seeing... You know, they're not looking at what they should be looking at. Instead, they're looking at 
facilities. You know? Yeah, but I mean, if I'm recruiting a 16, 17 year old kid, like you know, I, I can I can tell him four not like forty not four as, as, as you know as many times as I want because you know th- that that's the big pitch, right? Forty not four for Vanderbilt, right? You know, for the next forty years of life, not the next four years of life. But man, listen, if if I'm seventeen, and I'm some hot and I'm some hot shot recruit. I don't care. I'm not thinking about forty. I'm like, I'm gonna go to the NFL. I'm gonna make thirty million dollars a year. I'm gonna be Patrick Mahomes. I'm gonna be Aaron Donald. I'm gonna be you know Jalen Ramsey. I'm gonna be whatever. Like shoot, like I'm trying to you know I'm trying to get it in. Well, you know I'm trying to get it in. I'm not worried about that. When really, what what you know what is it? One half of one percent or something like that of of uh, FBS players are gonna make the NFL. One percent something like that. I'm like it's not a lot. I mean there is. There are there there are thirty two NFL teams. There's fifty three roster spots plus what like fifteen I want to say practice squad spots, give or take. And you know it's not like it's complete turnover every year. Blame the kids though. Yeah, blame no, you can't blame not. student athletes, right? No, can right. You got to say go big and dream big, right? I mean, if that is your dream to someday be and play in the next level, which I, I got to imagine would be ninety nine percent of all collegiate athletes as they as they enter into college as a D one football player or whatever you know yeah. um you know we, we can all see the ads that say you know there are three hundred thousand division one college athletes not all you know and we're all you know we're not all going pro it was like but like yeah but ever like e- e- even when i was a freaking walk on to the wisconsin track team i was a walk on to the wisconsin track team i thought i was going to be an olympian i was convinced i was going to be an olympic hammer thrower I'm a freaking walk-on from middle of nowhere, New Hampshire. I still, th- I was convinced I was going to be an Olympic camera thrower, right? Because that's the mindset you have to have. Absolutely. That's absolutely the mindset you, you have, have to have. You have to have that mindset, right? And um, so you can't blame these kids, obviously, when they no. see when they see these programs and look at the stats of how many NFL guys they're putting into the to the league every year. You know, that's something you have to keep in consideration, right? I mean, how many NFL guys played at Alabama? You know, it's it's like crazy. It's like holy crap. You know, how many NFL guys are some of these elite programs putting out every single year? And, you know, as a college or as a high school athlete going into college, that's something you have to consider. It's like these guys produce NFL talent, period. Do I want to be a part of that? Or do I want to be a part of a program that's maybe putting two or three guys in the league every year versus I guarantee you Clemson, Alabama, these guys are putting in 10 or 12 guys a year. Every year. Know? Yeah. Every if you're year. if you're Clemson, if you're LSU, I mean, like, dude, how Vandy many guys did that? Vandy might have two draft picks a year. If they're lucky. If they're lucky. If they're lucky. They had one last year. They had, you know, one draft pick and three guys got signed as uh, undrafted free agents to either practice squads, to practice squads, I think. You know, so that's four guys. And you know what? For most programs, for most programs outside of the SEC, that's really good. That's really good. Yeah, it is. I mean, in the the big scheme of things, I mean, two draft picks a year from a team, that's that's great. That's great. That's good. I mean, you know, but if I'm being recruited by Vanderbilt, uh, you know, and I, I might, all, I'm probably also being recruited, you know, if, especially from the Southeast. Like, I, if I go, if I'm taking my five official visits to Florida, Georgia, Vanderbilt, Alabama, and LSU, like, I mean, come on now, like, you know, it's it's a completely, completely different story. So it, it's it's really tough. So, um, but speaking of that prep right so you get that prep before you even get to college you've been coaching a lot of young players these days right you're so talk to us a little bit about what you've been doing and the training you've been doing with younger players yeah so um i have kind of taken four or five guys under my wing that i uh, that i help coach offensive line out 
at a, uh, a facility here in my uh, town that I live in called Peachtree City. And I've got four or five guys right now. One's a high school player that's going into college. He actually left a few weeks ago. And then I've got uh, two or three other young guys that are both in elementary school uh, that are playing uh, middle school football. I went and saw one of their games last week, uh, which was an outstanding game, by the way. This, this kid I coach, I go and watch him. He's a center. Uh, his team, it went into overtime, and his team won by the kicker. They they hiked it to the snapper, and then the snapper tossed it to the kicker, and then the kicker ran like a sweep and scored like a winning uh, winning touchdown or extra point, excuse me, to win the game. It was outstanding. But, uh, yeah, I, I just kind of fell into it. I was I was talking to my fiance Nikki, about like, hey, you know, I always have, I'm always kind of in her ear about like, you know, it would be nice if I could still kind of coach football. And obviously I can't do that now because I have a full-time job and you know it's not like it's not like what people think they can't think like oh why can't you just coach football like you know the time you have to dedicate to that it's so much time high school even in high school you know how many hours these guys are dedicating I mean I can yes I do it's a lot so yeah so it's not like I can just hey I want to go coach high school football to keep to to get my uh football fix right you got to devote a lot of time for that. So I, I mean, I, I mean, it's it's you know, like 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 one of my best friends is an offensive coordinator here in in, in Metro Nashville. Like, uh, I, you know, and, and he's also a full time teacher. Well, you know, he's probably spending you know he's spending thirty forty hours a week doing that coaching. Yeah, on top of the teaching, you know, and it, it's you know, yes, like you know, w- when you're an OC, like yeah, that's gonna be more even if you're just like a volunteer coach. But still, like I know, like when I was in high school, like our volunteer coaches had to be at practice every day. They had to be a film, you know, they had to be a film session. They had to be at the games. They had to travel. Like, you know, it's not, it's not like, oh, I can just throw a cup, you know, you can't just be here and there. You've got to be there every mm-hmm. single day. Yeah. And that's, and it's, it's really tough for a lot of former players. Obviously we all still have the itch. We all will still forever have that, like in our blood to want to be out there, whether that's coaching or whether that's playing or at least be around the game. So I got very fortunate. I was, um, and looking at some, uh, looking at some facilities here in the Peachtree city area. And it just so happened to land on one that's kind of like a sports performance facility that specializes in baseball and football. And they kind of do everything and they kind of specialize sports specific, I guess you could say. So I reached out to the owner and he allowed me to come in there a few days a week and work with some of their football guys. And a couple of them turned out to actually be offensive linemen, which was great. So I work with these guys uh, two or three times a week now, just basically going over the fundamentals of, Offensive line technique, stance, get off, pass sets, things like that. But you know, I try to bring uh, bring some elite knowledge into it and, and show them a couple of tricks that they can take with them when they go out there and uh, go up against some of these other twelve and thirteen year olds. Listen, man, listen. I, I I watch your Instagram. I see some of those kids pass setting. I'm like, damn. Like, I'm like, I you know, I was an offensive lineman. I was a center. I was an all state center in high school. Like, you know, I'm like, I couldn't pass that like that when I was that age. Shoot. Like, you know, so what is some of the stuff that you're teaching these kids that you wish you knew, even like when you were, you know, a high schooler? One of the really difficult things is, and if you're a parent listening, one of the really difficult things is, is that, you know, when you're at that level, middle school level, which is what a lot of the kids I work with, uh, and I'm sitting here teaching these middle school guys, you know, how we would install something at an NFL level, right? So you can't give them too much because their brains just can't process a lot of that information. So you kind of have to like simplify things a little bit. But I went and watched one of the guys I coached last Thursday and his coach is having him basically throw and cut on almost every play. That's not something I teach him. 
when him and I are working at the facility, you know, we're talking about driving our feet, driving our hips, you know, and pass pro, getting our helmet out of it, you know, all those, all those types of things. And I'm sitting here watching him at his, uh, at his game and his coach is just having him. As soon as he snaps the ball, he's at center, he's throwing and cutting, throwing and cutting every single play. And I, mean, I can't tell you how many illegal chop blocks I saw and how many, <laughs> and how many high low have called if it was, you know, a college game. But um, that's a really difficult thing for parents. It's like, you know, you can't go out there and say, coach, you're not teaching this correctly, right? And I think that's probably a really struggle that some of the guys I work with have is that I'm teaching them things, you know, that uh, that they're going to learn maybe when they get to high school. And I know for sure they're going to learn when they get to college um, is these basic fundamentals of run blocking and pass blocking. But, you know, whether that is they get a whether that is they get a bad coach or whether that is it's just coaches don't think that their brains can process in, in, in more depth, maybe they don't have time to install these, these sort of things. So you're kind of like combating a lot of different factors um, at that age group, right? Because, you know, a lot of these kids, when they get out of school, they go to practice and they're not watching tape. You know, they're not having meetings to install plays. They kind of just go out there in the field, huddle up. Coach is like, okay, you're going you're gonna to run right. You're going to block this guy. You're going to block this guy. And unfortunately – that's just the level of play at that age group. Um, but I'm trying my best to at least have these guys uh, build on these basic fundamentals. So as they do transition, as they get older, it'll kind of come more natural. And, uh, you know, some of these things, I think the NFL is one, one good thing that NFL is, NFL is doing is trying to help some of these younger coaches or some of these high school coaches be more aware of how to prevent injuries. You know, you don't want to have a guy get, hurt you know at a young age because he was doing something incorrectly and that's another big part of proper fundamentals in football is safety you know if you're going in there with your head down oh my gosh you know back neck you know how many serious injuries you can have that's what you're taught in run blocking to keep your helmet out right you keep your head back especially when you're pass blocking you're throwing your hands you're not leading with your helmet obviously you can lead to your your weight being too far over your knees and you can get embarrassed pretty bad, but there's also a safety factor of that, right? You don't want to be leading with your helmet. You want to have your helmet back. You want to be using your hands as much as you can. And um, I think the NFL is really trying to do a better job of, of, of having coaching clinics and putting more content online so these coaches can watch these things. Um, here in South Georgia, you know, here or here in Georgia, a lot of these coaches are just good old boys like my old coach in Vanderbilt, Robbie Caldwell, who was just go out there and hit them boys. You know, there's not, there wasn't a lot of, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of like technique being involved. It was just kind of a lot like, you know, punish the guy in front of you, make it. Low man wins. Yeah. Low man. That, that was his kind of coaching technique. Oh man. Um, <laughs> Oh, man. Which a lot of these high school coaches and younger coaches, that's the mentality that they have. You know, yeah. They think of it as, hey, we're building tough men. It's kind of their it's their thought process. And I'm looking at this as like, I'm trying to coach this guy to play, you know, in D1 football someday. I'm not trying to just make it make him tough. You know, I'm trying to think about him using this platform to get to get places in life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, absolutely. That's what I've been doing, and I and I really really do enjoy it. But yeah, it's part of the frustrating part from my end is that, you know, 
I coach these guys some things and then they go to practice and their coaches tell them to do it another way. And, you know, you're always going to have to fight that battle because it's not my place. It's their coach. I'm not the coach. So for sure, you know, for sure, for sure. All right. Well, before we get out of here, we do want to remind you that we are also sponsored by Health is Wealth. Uh, fitness Health is Wealth is a fitness and athleisure brand that promotes community living and healthy, holistic lives. They encourage their customers to care for their mental, spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being. They make sustainably sourced apparel, host in-person and virtual fitness camps, as well as cooking, meditation, self-care, and wellness events. Their brand is a safe space for their customers' overall well-being. Make sure to check them out at, at healthiswealthlifestylellc.com. One more time, that's Health is Wealth lifestyle llc.com check them out i highly recommend the dad hats the dad hats are definitely where it's at um it's one of the most things comfortable things i've ever put on my head so uh make sure to check them out and we want to thank dad nope i mean i've my only children have four legs so um (laughs) i got I, i got two boys but they both have four legs and the only way they talk back is by barking at me. So, um, but Ryan, this has been awesome. Uh, we will be doing this again very soon. And uh, first, and uh, before we let you go, congratulations! You're getting married this weekend, big guy. Woo! Finally, yeah. I mean, we 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 had to move it. It was scheduled for May, but due to COVID, we had to kind of uh, make some adjustments, and we pushed it back to September 26th. So we're getting married on Saturday. Um, very lucky to get to marry my beautiful fiance Nikki, and uh, it's just going to be a family only now wedding. So it's very small. Any of my friends listening, I didn't send any invitations out. Sorry, it's not like you were invited. It's just that we gotta <laughs> we gotta watch out for uh, you know COVID protocol. So, um, but we're we're really looking forward to that, and I really appreciate the the warm wishes. We're we're super excited. For sure, for sure. And, and as someone who's been married for about three and a half years, uh, just she's always right. Even when she's wrong, she's right. Of course. That's, that's all I got to yeah. say. So yeah. even when she's wrong, she's right. And, uh, you know, just keep that in the back of your head and you'll be just fine. Honey, you're you're right. You're so right. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, trash, even though I just took it out last night and the night before. Of course. Yes. Not a problem. I, I, I will take out the trash every single night if that prevents me from, from getting the silent treatment. <laughs> I will take your advice. I'll take your advice. Yes. Yes. So thank you again for having me, man. Of course. Okay. And uh, Ryan, you have uh, have a fantastic wedding and we'll be talking to you again very soon. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. All right. And uh, before we go, let's uh, get an anchor down. Uh, Anchor down. (laughs) It's a little harder without the without the crowd noise. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.